0: Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today we're talking NBA Draft 2021 Rookie of the Year. Let's go. Aloha, this is Chad Ford. And you can find me and my work over at Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, where you can subscribe to a newsletter that I have and lots of other great stuff talking about the 2022 NBA draft as well as covering the NBA and a lot of stuff that's related to rookies and stuff in the 2021 NBA draft. And actually, that's what I want to talk about today in my podcast and and sort of handicap the 2021 Rookie of the Year um, race. And we know that Kate Cunningham went number one uh, in the draft, but we want to look at which guys are going to be the contenders to be rookie of the year next year. And it doesn't always really apply to draft order. And so I did some research looking into – what really makes a rookie of the year and really three things really came stood out to me one is opportunity right you have to actually have minutes significant minutes and a significant role on your team and if you look over the last couple of years for the rookie of the year race you're going to see that at 27 minutes a game seems to be the the threshold that we're looking at for players right now in 2019 it was 27.8 2018 it was 30 minutes a game and so the first thing that we're we're scouring is is this player going to get significant like starter minutes and a great role uh, on their teams? Very difficult to crack Rookie of the Year, no matter how talented you are uh, without those minutes. The second key metric is really points per game. So in 2018, the top three scored, I think 16.3 points per game. 2019 top three vote getters for Rookie of the Year had 15.3 points a game. 2020 was only 13 points a game, Um, but that was in part because 13 points per game was the third highest scoring mark for any rookie Um, that season and so if you look at the past eight years the winner is was in the top three and usually the top two in scoring for rookies of the year. So not only is it going to be minutes, but the opportunity to actually score the basketball and does the player have the ability to be a big time score sort of the next thing that we're going to look at. Um, and he also found that uh, if you go back and sort of look at some of the work that Kevin Pelton has done at ESPN uh, for almost every season, the combined averages of points, rebounds and assists per game, when you add those averages together, um, that's the player that's going to win the award. And then finally, um, you know, look, when you're looking at Rookie of the Year, you're not actually talking about the player that's going to be the best player in five years. If you go back and look at past winners, that's often just not the case. It's it's the player that's going to have the most opportunity um, to really hit those metrics of scoring, uh, minutes per game, and then the sort of combined stats together that's going to win Rookie of the Year. And so that's going to change, to me, the draft order a little bit about who we're going to handicap again, for rookie of the year. And again, I'm not saying that the player that we're talking about here is going to be the best player in this draft in five years, or that a team made a mistake taking a player higher or lower than him. All I'm really talking about is given the current parameters of their team right now, which players are most likely to have that sort of big time success in the NBA that is going to lead to winning rookie of the year. And to me, that means that I think that Jalen Green uh, from the Houston Rockets, who had number two in the draft, has the best opportunity uh, to win rookie of the year. One, because he's an elite scorer. Uh, He's probably the best scorer in this draft, and he is going to get significant opportunities on this Houston Rockets team. I expect him to start. I expect him to be the focal point of the offense next year. And when you combine that with his just natural scoring skills, I think it's pretty easy to see that Jalen Green might be able to crack upwards of 20 points a game uh, as a rookie. He's also got this chip on his shoulder for not going number one um, in the draft, and he seems to be very focused on proving everybody wrong right now proving that Cade cunningham should not have gone number one to detroit that the pistons made a mistake on him and a lot of times when players play with that chip on their shoulder there's that sort of extra motivation to go out there and win this award and it seems like Jalen green is focused on winning this award what could derail Jalen green i you know i think there's a couple of things you know one does he come off the bench Uh, Right away, I think he's going to be the starter, but there is Kevin Porter Jr. in the backcourt. It depends a lot on what they're going to do with John Wall and whether the Rockets are going to have him uh, play a leading role for this team. That could cut into his minutes and opportunity um, a little bit. He needs to add strength. He had a little bit of minor injury uh, in, in the summer league. And so obviously staying healthy is part of that. You really do need to play roughly around 60 to 65 games uh, to actually be in consideration for rookie of the year. And so that is something that could deal rail Jalen Green as well. But I still think if I were to bet on this right now, um, which player is most likely to be rookie of the year, I I would go with Jalen Green. At two, it's Cade Cunningham, who was the number one pick in the draft. And obviously, he is also going to get a major role on the Detroit Pistons this year. I think he is their best player long term, but might might you know depending on how you feel about jeremy grant might just be the best player on the pistons roster Uh, in general it's easy to kind of project him scoring somewhere between 17 20 points a night and he's got that one elite skill that i think is going to at least it looked like in the summer league and his freshman year at Oklahoma State that's going to translate, which is his shooting ability. And if he can shoot anywhere near that 40 percentile uh, mark from three, I I think it's going to be easy to see how he projects out. And And then things get interesting from there. I think there's still some question marks about who's going to be the lead ball handler in Detroit and other Pistons are talking about, they're just going to have multiple lead ball handlers. And sometimes it's going to be Killian Hayes. Sometimes it's going to be Kate Cunningham, just depending on the situation. But if you get to a point where he becomes the sort of lead ball handler, the way that like LaMelo Ball did um, in Charlotte as a rookie, then I think his chances go up if he does that well. And I think there's a legitimate question mark. If you're asking, you know, sort of what would be the downside for Kate Cunningham is that, he had a high turnover rate at Oklahoma state. He had a high turnover rate. Uh, when you look at what his play was in the summer league and if the Pistons give him the ball and ask him to really create for others and that tor- turnover rate soars uh, to an- another underwater assist, the turnover ratio, you know, that could be something that could sort of be a negative mark for Cunningham. And, and to be honest with you, I just not sure what that's going to ultimately be um, for him. I, I, know the sort of hype coming out of high school that you know he was a point guard a big point guard i think that you can make the right argument that at oklahoma state he just didn't really have the talent around him and so he would have dished out a lot more assists but he just couldn't do it because he just didn't really have the talent around him i guess you can make that argument uh in the summer league as well is that there just wasn't the talent around to finish the great passes that kate cunningham made i'm not sure that's going to be the argument uh at, at the nba level though again he's in some ways, kind of playing with the Summer League squad for Detroit. And so that will be really interesting to see um, where he comes out of it here. I do think that there's more sizzle to Jalen Green's game. I think there's more opportunities for Jalen Green to actually be the guy that leads in points and what have you. I do think that Kate Cunningham could put up a more complete box score, uh, which if, again, you go back to Kevin Pelton's theory that – you take assist rebounds and points and average those together and then look at who has the highest number and that guy is most likely going to win Rookie of the year, you could see Cunningham being a better rebounder, higher assist rate uh, than Jalen Green and maybe uh, eking it out. I- I'm going to err with Jalen Green, uh, but I do think Kate Cunningham could be a very close second. And then I think the third guy and the, the other guy that I would put as, you know, another favorite would be Jalen Suggs. Uh, or the Orlando Magic, uh, he's one of the most NBA-ready players that we're going to see in the draft, even though he's 19 years old. The toughness, the two-way um, defensive play that he's going to be, he's going to get it done on both ends. He's a natural leader. He's an alpha player. I won't be surprised at all if he ends up sort of being the lead guard for the Magic and and really sort of running this offense uh, for them early on. There is some crowdedness in the Magic backcourt, which is why you put him at three. He is a guy who will defer more than a Jalen Green or a Cade Cunningham will, which means that maybe he's not going to have the the same you know scoring average that you see from a Cade Cunningham, uh, for example, or a Jalen Green. And so it's, it's possible that his numbers are going to be depressed uh, a little bit. And even though he might impact winning more than either of those players in year one, uh, that's uh, harder for voters to quantify. And maybe that's why he ends up, maybe third or fourth uh, in the MVP race. And so those are the top three guys that I see potentially winning uh, rookie of the year. I want to talk about some other candidates when we come back. But first, I want to talk to you uh, about TV Stream, one of our new sponsors. Um, you know, when you think about Direct TV stream, you've got this one device that lets you catch games live. You have another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. Um, you're watching sport highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend log in for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called D- Direct TV Stream, and it brings together your live TV on demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, the confusion, get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more about directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required, content varies by package. I actually subscribe to Direct TV stream uh, and and I really love the service. And so I hope you check it out too. Okay, now we're back. We're talking about the rookie of the year race for the 2021-22 season. We're talking about the rookies that were just drafted uh, in the 2021 draft. And we talked about the three favorites uh, early on, which was Jalen Green, uh, number one, Cade Cunningham, number two, Jalen Suggs, number three. Uh, Now I want to talk about some other guys that I think could potentially be contenders. And one that I'm watching carefully is Davian Mitchell that went number nine in the draft, the point guard uh, that's playing for Sacramento right now. He's the most NBA-ready ready player in the draft, in my opinion. Um, he's one of the best on-the-ball defenders in the league. He's not an elite scorer, but I really think he knows how to find his spots. And if his three-point shooting is as accurate as we saw it during his junior season at Baylor and during the summer league, I really think that he could put up numbers. I also think there's this sort of an interesting thing going on with Sacramento right now. They have a crowded backcourt, and if you want to make an argument against Davian Mitchell, you've got De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald in that backcourt, all who have more experience, all who are likely to play ahead of him uh, when you have minutes there uh, in the backcourt. I don't don't know. I, I think that some GMs around the league think that maybe Darren Fox could be on the move, uh, that this is a way for them to add talent. Uh, we talked about um, here in on my Chad NBA, big uh, about three potential trades that could shake up the start of the season. One of those was Ben Simmons to Sacramento. And, you know, obviously Ben Simmons is in the news a lot right now. And there's a lot of talk about what, where he's going to go. And I've had several general managers just point to the Kings and say, I think this makes the most sense for both teams right now. I I know that Philadelphia has been holding out for a superstar like a Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, but they don't really seem to be getting the traction there. De'Aaron Fox is a type of player that is a young uh, point guard with all-star potential, but has enough experience under his belt that he can probably help them right now. Ben Simmons comes in. That's a big shakeup there because yeah, I think you could play him as a small ball five or you could play him at the four. Davian Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald in that backcourt together. And there's a way that this sort of makes sense for both teams, especially on a Kings team that was historically one of the worst defensive teams in the history of the NBA last year adding Ben Simmons seems like the right sort of gamble for a team like Sacramento that wants to break that 15 year playoff drought. And with Davian Mitchell there uh, as well, I, I just think that there's a lot that makes a lot of sense for Sacramento. And while I don't, Absolutely love it for Philadelphia. I think they're going to come to a head. I think this thing can get ugly in Philadelphia. I don't see Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal heading to Philadelphia right now. So Deer and Fox and a, you know a bunch of other prospects, draft picks or whatever, might be sort of the best deal that you can get for Philadelphia right now. So I definitely think it's something that they should consider. Uh, and it's certainly if that were to be the case, and something like that would happen, then I think Damian Mitchell's chances of going higher as far as Rookie of the Year award goes uh, increase. At five, I've got Evan Mobley uh, for the Cavs. He went number three and, uh, frankly, a guy that I I didn't see a lot of space between him and Cade Cunningham for the number one pick in the draft. But we knew Mobley was less likely to have that huge impact in year one uh, than Cade Cunningham. He needs to add strength. And, in addition, there's some significant questions about what his role is going to be uh, right now in Cleveland with Jared Allen in the front court, uh, Larry Markkinen, who they just um, – uh, traded for in a sign and trade as well. It's a, it's a bit of a crowded front court. Uh, I do think that there's minutes for all three players, but is Mobley going to get a lead role, especially when you have ball dominant guards, like, you know, Colin Sexton, for example, and Darius Garland in that backcourt as well. Is he going to get the touches and the opportunity to really score the basketball in a way that's going to put him in serious contention for the number one pick? But it doesn't mean that I'm not high on Mobley. He's a dominant hybrid big man. He can score from anywhere on the floor. He's a solid rim protector, a decent rebounder. He could put up some really significant numbers. I was really impressed with his passing in the summer league um, as well. And so while I'm really, really high on his future, I just think it's a little bit harder to figure out how Mobley is going to be able to put up numbers like Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs to be able to get there for them. But look, I think most scouts would say that they were surprised with his productivity at USC and that he showed better there than they expected as well. And so maybe we're underestimating uh, Evan Mobley and maybe he should be uh, a little bit higher. Uh, At six, this one's probably a little bit more controversial uh, and it's just based off of both opportunity and what I saw in the summer league, but Alpernin Singun, uh, the center of rock uh, center for the rockets at six, uh, a guy who won the Turkish league MVP, not, not rookie of the year, but Turkish league MVP at 18 years old, which is a really significant feat. And probably in in my opinion, might be the most NBA ready prospect that maybe him and like Chris Duarte that you're going to actually sort of see uh, and, and Davian Mitchell, of course, um, he showed really well. I thought in the summer league, he's advanced offensively. Like I think he's sort of an offensive savant in many ways. And I was actually really surprised with his solid defense rebounding and and frankly, shot blocking um, that we saw as well. Now, look, there's, there's some challenges. There's Christian Wood, um, who is going to be the starting center for the Rockets next year. He's only you know 25, 26 years old, and so certainly you know it's not like Sengun is going to be able to push him out. Uh, and you wonder, especially even if they do like Sengun, whether they're going to showcase Wood uh, in an attempt to you know get a trade for him uh, later in the season. And you know there is definite question marks about whether he is going to be able to hang defensively in the NBA, and especially early on in his career, whether that could impact his minutes. He looked okay uh, in the summer league, but again, he was playing against summer league players and summer league bigs. He wasn't playing against elite athletes. He wasn't playing against people that were explosive, um, that had the the strength and the quickness that could pose him real problems uh, in the NBA, and so. Singun is sort of an outlier for me, but I think the analytics point to him having a big season. I think the talent is there. I do think at some point during the season, they're going to be able to find the opportunities uh, for him to shine. And so he's my real sleeper. I think when you're thinking about who might be a guy that could ultimately uh, be a rookie of the year. All right, so that's six guys, and frankly, I think probably the most likely six guys that we're going to see uh, in the Rookie of the Year race. And before we jump into the last uh, four guys, I want to talk about two more of our sponsors, uh, starting with Rock Auto. Uh, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible uh, for your local auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouses happen to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock auto dot com. I also want to talk to you about one of our other sponsors, Bilt Bar, who has nine delicious flavors. And when you talk about Bilt Bar fans, they're definitely passionate about their faves. There's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. I'm a huge coconut guy. Uh, I love Mounds bars. And these things taste like candy bars. They're soft, they're chewy. uh, The chocolate is rich. And the crazy thing about them is though they taste like a candy bar, they're actually pretty healthy for you. Most flavors have 19 grams of protein only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. So order today, get that raspberry brownie, get the coconut, whatever it is you like, go to builtbar.com and use promo code lock 15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Okay. So we're wrapping up our talk about Rookie of the Year right now and ranking the top uh, 10 Rookie of the Year candidates right now. We've gone through six players right now. So we've t- talked about Jalen Green. We've talked about Cade Cunningham. We've talked about Jalen Suggs. We've talked about Davian Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Alpern and Sengun of the Rockets. The last three guys are, are long shots. I don't. I just don't think there's any other way to sort of talk about it. And part of it is that you start to run out of real playing opportunities for rookies. So we talked at the top about you need minutes, uh, you need uh, the able, ability to be featured on the offense so that you can score the basketball, That historically those two things have needed to happen for players to win rookie of the year. And after you get past those six guys, it, it looks like opportunities might be more limited for some of the other prospects that we're talking about right now. So their talent level might be worthy of that if they were in a different situation but because of a lack of opportunity they might not be able to to put up the same sort of numbers at seven i have chris duarte the wing out of the pacers and along with davian mitchell and Alpern and Singen, to me are the guys that have like the most nba ready skills right now uh duarte is already 24 years old which is ridiculously old for a rookie uh, he could be a, on his second contract um if he had left it for the draft that at, and 19 years old and he, he was great in the summer league he, he looked like he's going to be immediate three and d sort of wing and have impact sort of on both ends of the basketball and really it's just minutes and roll that i think are going to be the issue uh for him we've got tj warren you got karis lavert you got uh, uh jeremy lamb uh, all of those guys could keep duarte from seeing the floor enough to get the minutes or points to be a really strong candidate I do think he's going to be an impact player in year one. I think this is exactly why the Pacers drafted him here. Rick Carlyle really wanted a player that could step in and play um, right away. And I think he's got the talent to do that. It's just going to be whether the minutes are there and, you know, injuries, lots of different things could impact that. And he can move up this list if he's got a bigger opportunity. But that's the big concern for me, um, for him. At 8, I've got Josh Giddy, uh, the Thunder. Now, this is a, an actual real opportunity guy. Like, he is going to get significant minutes on the Thunder next season. I don't think there's any question about that. My question is is he going to be. Be able to do enough of the things that voters typically look for from a rookie of the year uh, to be actually in serious contention right now. Uh, so we know the minutes are going to be there, the elite passing is there, and you know maybe he's going to have like a Lamelo Ball type you know highlight reel play offensively that that helps get him and generate some buzz. I don't think he's quite the creative uh, passer. Uh, that lamello L- ball is i think he's a very very good one i'm just not sure that he has the sort of same feel and instincts that lamello does uh, it, they're great but maybe not elite um, his strong play in australia said that, okay, maybe he's more ready than most. Uh, he actually had a really good uh, rookie season uh, in the professional league in Australia right now. But I'm questioning the rest of his game. Shooting and defense still need a lot of work. Uh, even with a lot of minutes, it's possible he's just not going to be able to put up the points necessary uh, on this uh, on this roster. And, you know, let's see how the ball handling duties are shared with Shai Gilgis Ale- alexander um, Shay is just really you know, to me, the more ball dominant player right now, which may, it means Giddy's probably playing more off the ball, which I don't necessarily think um, is his strength. Uh, I also think Theo Meladon is a guy who um, could certainly um, come in and take some of those ball handling uh, duties as well. He's in his second year. And all of that might push Giddy just a little bit further down in his ability to produce those big numbers that NBA voters tend to look at when they're picking rookie of the year. And nine, I've got Scotty Barnes out of the Raptors. Number four, a guy that I see as being potentially one of the best players in this draft five years down the road, but not quite as NBA ready as some of the other prospects that we've been talking about um, here. And and a, a kind of unusual fit in Toronto right now, um, they've got at least eight players on the roster who will be getting significant minutes and that's before counting Barnes and not sure that he's going to be a starter. He is the sort of guy that, could be sneaky in that when you add up his points, rebounds, assists, steals and blocks, he might, he might like really surprise some people in that he can put up a really solid box score all the way through, but I'm just not sure that he's going to be a big enough time scorer. And I think with that shaky jump shot that we're still sort of feeling out for him and in question right now, like what, where is he even going to play for them right now? I, I think he can be everything from a big point guard to a small ball center and anything in between, and you know whether the whether the Raptors are going to use him, you know at the three at the four. Pascal Siakam is going to be out for a little bit, which maybe is going to open up some uh, opportunities for him early on. Uh, I, I think he's the sort of guy that is a wild card here because the talent to be rookie of the year is clearly there, but just so many questions about opportunity, uh, style of play fit, what have you. I, I think that we're probably going to be buzzing more about Scotty Barnes, like three years into his career, uh, sort of in the same way we were with Giannis than maybe his first season on the court. And then finally, uh, this guy went late in the first round, uh, but led all rookie scorers in the summer league. That's Cam Thomas, uh, the two guard, uh, who was drafted by the Brooklyn Nets. And if rookie of the year voters... reward and value scoring then you know cam thomas is going to be one of the two or best two or three best scorers in this draft he doesn't need a lot of minutes to put up big numbers he he might theoretically be one of the few guys that could come off the bench and still put up numbers that could be really intriguing because i think he's got some like lou williams-esque you know to his game of just being this microwave scorer that can just come in and do things um and maybe there's going to be a bigger opportunity there. James uh, James Harding, Kyrie Irving. Uh, they they've had injury histories in the past that that suggests that might there might be more opportunities and minutes for Cam Thomas than it just sort of currently looks um, in their roster. And if there's a knock against Cam, it's going to be Brooklyn's going to be competing for a championship. How many how many minutes and how much time are they going to give to a rookie? Um, there's also veterans like Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, Javon Carter, Patty Mills in that backcourt as well. And so it's just possible that those great summer league numbers just aren't going to translate enough to the NBA that he's going to actually earn the minutes to stay on the floor and play well um, for the nets. And, and so that's my top 10 guys. Uh, Obviously there could be another guy or two that could really sort of pop in the mix. We didn't expect, or at least I didn't expect Emmanuel quickly um, to be a potential rookie of the year candidate uh, last year. Uh, And so, you know, there's always, you know, one or two guys that are going to sneak up on you and opportunity arises that you don't think is there, but I feel pretty solid at the top that, At the end of the day, we're probably going to be talking about Jalen Green, we're going to be talking about Kate Cunningham, and we'll probably be talking about Jalen Suggs as, as the most likely contenders. Uh, for the 2021-22 Rookie of the Year Award. You can read more about the Rookie of the Year Award over on my website, nbabigboard.com. I'm also going through right now the 2022 NBA draft and looking at a lot of different prospects right now. We've covered returning college players, college freshmen. Uh, We just did a a cool article on the G League um, as well. We'll we'll talk uh, a little bit later uh, this in in september about the overtime elite and international prospects as well and so as you're starting to prime for the 22 nba draft lots of great stuff there and if you're following the rookies or sophomores or even the juniors right now in the nba we're also gonna have a lot of great coverage over at nbabigboard.com as well you've been listening to chad ford's nba big board on the locked on podcast network aloha